0: need
1: to talk about the basics study. We're just trying to fight the fight.
2: Philadelphia is great, Mike. We don't even have a covid here.
3: This is used as a standard in critically ill patients.
0: Starting to think how is this generalizable?
2: We changed a lot over the past 10 years. Would I be stunned by that?
3: Not so much. Not so much. Welcome back, everyone, to Critical
0: Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. As always, this is Mike Winters from the University of Maryland
3: School of Medicine
0: in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to this podcast, I think our second podcast here in the month of August. And as we talked about before, some groundbreaking literature actually just published within the last few days online in JAMA. Highlighting an article and a topic that we frequently talk about here on CCPEM, and that is fluid resuscitation, specifically the type of IV fluid. And I think you've heard those of you who are longtime listeners here to the podcast know that we like balanced solutions in contrast or comparison to normal saline fluid resuscitation. And that is why we need to talk about the basics study. This was just published, as I mentioned, within the past week online in the Journal of the American Medical Association, and it has some important findings for those of us that are using balanced solutions or those of us that are using normal saline so before jumping into the article doing a deep dissection on the study the results some of the limitations and some take-home points let me welcome in as always my co-host here on ccpem dr peter w dr rob rodriguez dr john greenwood peter i'll start with you how are you at present
3: Yeah, doing fine, Mike. Thank you. You know, dog days of summer in New Orleans, it's hot, it's humid, and COVID is rampant. So that's the big dog biting at our heels for medicine here in New Orleans.
0: Undoubtedly, all of us across the country are facing that next surge in COVID with the Delta variant. And not only are we facing that surge, but I think it's fair to say that we are also encountering significant staff limitations, resource limitations that are further compounding our efforts to care for and increasing COVID patient population presenting to our ED. And as we know, watching the news, presenting to more and more to our pediatric EDs. Rob, how are things out there on the West Coast?
2: About the
1: same as you described, we also have hit quite a bit of a surge and are having staffing difficulties as well. We are continuing to try to address the ongoing issue of vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, we're just trying to fight the fight. Sounds good, Rob,
0: as we all are. And John, how goes to fight in Philadelphia?
2: Philadelphia is great, Mike. We don't even have COVID here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> now everything's great. We've got some relief from the heat up in the Northeast, which has been wonderful and continuing to modify our daily practice and try to navigate the challenges of clinical medicine these days, but doing well.
0: All right. Well, let's turn to education for this month amidst COVID, amidst weather throughout the world, and actually amidst also a lot of political and governmental upheaval. So let's focus on some education all right, Peter, I'm going to turn to you first. So we've talked a lot about IV fluids, balanced fluids, and their impact on various critically ill patient populations. Set the tone, set the background for us here for the BASICS trial.
3: No, Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. And so as background, we know that IV fluids, this is our staple in the ICU, and this is used as a standard in critically ill patients. Traditionally, we reached for normal saline. for our resuscitative needs, whether it be maintenance IV fluids, or whether it's to deliver our medications, or whether it's to be hung with blood, we push towards normal saline. But recent observational studies and some unblinded cluster randomized trials have really suggested that balanced crystalloids may have better outcomes. And they call into question whether there's anything normal about normal saline hypertonic solution, hyperosmolar, and acidotic fluid. Although it is unclear, one proposed mechanism for better outcomes with the balanced crystalloids may be due to less chloride concentration than that seen with standard normal saline or 0.9% there remains insufficient evidence from large randomized multicenter trials comparing normal saline to balanced crystalloids, whether it be plasmalite or ringers. The objective of this paper is to assess whether the administration of a balanced solution, and the one that they chose here was plasmalite 148, during the ICU stay compared with normal saline, would improve a 90-day mortality in critically ill patients. And so, John, do you want to go ahead and review the study
2: for us? Absolutely. So this was an interesting trial. And I think as we've all reviewed the literature over the fluid trials over the past five years or so, they've taken place in a number of different settings. And this one actually was a investigator initiated randomized clinical trial that took place in Brazil and focuses, I guess, on really the low and middle income countries of South America. So it was conducted in 75 intensive care units in the country of Brazil. And the design of this was a little bit different than maybe what we're used to seeing. So instead of just looking at one intervention, they actually incorporated two different interventions to look at over the course of this trial. And I think we're going to start seeing more and more of this over the next few years as trials become a little bit more complex, but you're able to utilize all the infrastructure that's built into these clinical trials. So they looked at two different interventions and that was really the fluid type. And so they looked at balanced versus saline solution. And then they also looked at the effect of two different infusion rates of a slower versus more traditional fast fluid bolus. Now the patients they included were admitted to the intensive care unit and required at least one dose of fluid expansion that was at the discretion of the attending physician at the time, these patients were not expected to be discharged anytime soon or within 24 hours. And they needed to meet at least one of the following inclusion criteria. So they were either older than 65 had hypotension that was defined as a map less than 65 or systolic blood pressure, less than 90, or required vasopressors to achieve these endpoints. They had a diagnosis of sepsis, required mechanical ventilation or non-invasive ventilation for at least 12 hours, had early signs of kidney injury, cirrhosis, or acute liver failures. So had at least one of those to be included in the trial. Now they did have some inclusions. So some of those things were patients who had an acute kidney injury who required or expected to need renal replacement therapy pretty quickly within six hours of admission, had severe electrolyte disturbances, such as like a severe hyponatremia, or hypernatremia. Obviously the clinician might want to choose a specific solution, IV solution in that case, pretty much patients who are moribund or near death on arrival within 24 hours suspected or confirmed brain death. And those receiving palliative care, those patients were not included in this trial. And again, they were randomized to, if they met inclusion criteria, they were randomized to receive either the traditional 0.9% normal saline or balanced solution. And so in order to give the patients the intervention, they were supplied in basically identical half liter bags of solution. The physician patients and those who assessed outcomes were blinded to the assigned treatment. So the clinicians had no idea which treatment the patient was being given at the time. And overall, the patient management was really left to the clinical team. So this was really just focused on the interventions at which it was given. So they looked at a couple of different outcomes. The primary was the 90 day survival outcome but they did look at some secondary outcomes, which included the need for renal replacement therapy up to 90 days after the enrollment time, the occurrence of acute kidney injury, SOFA score at day three and seven, and the number of days of not requiring mechanical ventilation in 28 days. So ventilator free days at 28 days, which is a more common, I think, secondary outcome we're seeing more of these days. They even looked at a few other outcomes, which The traditional ones, ICU, hospital length of stay, and overall mortality. Tertiary outcomes included ICU and hospital length of stay, as well as mortality. And they also looked at some pre-specified subgroups, which some of these are probably going to be important to us in the ED. So patients with and without sepsis, those with and without acute kidney injury indicated by a KDGO score greater than 2 surgical versus non-surgical patients, and traumatic brain injury patients versus those without TBI. I think that's important because all of us are thinking in our TBI patients, we probably don't want to administer hypotonic solutions and worsen cerebral edema. And lastly, they separated groups based on severity of illness using an Apache 2 score of 25 being the cutoff.
0: Thanks, John. That was quite a lot that these investigators took on to look at balanced solutions versus normal saline, but I think some important take-home or important endpoints. So with that, Rob, take us through the results. What did the BASICS trial show? Yeah, Mike. So
1: they enrolled initially 11,052 patients from 75 ICUs, but after exclusions and some fallout, they included 10,520 patients in the final analysis evenly matched between the balanced solution group and the saline solution group. Their characteristics were well-balanced. A few notable characteristics, 48% of patients were admitted to the ICU after elective surgery, and about 22% of them were admitted from the ED. 68% of patients received a crystalloid bolus before getting admitted to the ICU. And of those, 45% received greater than a liter. 61% of patients had either hypotension or the use of a presser, and 44% required mechanical ventilation. So the most notable of those characteristics, again, would be that about half of these patients were post-elective surgery patients which is slightly different than I would say our routine sort of ICU type patient population. In terms of interventions, patients in both groups received a median of 1.5 liters of fluid during the first day of enrollment, and their accumulated median fluid during the first three days was 4.1 liters. With regard to their primary outcome, which was 90-day mortality, The violent solution group had a mortality of 26.4%, and the 0.9% saline group had a mortality of 27.2%. These were not statistically significant differences in terms of mortality. The risk ratio crossed one in terms of its 95% confidence intervals. In terms of secondary outcomes, only two were found to be statistically significant, most notably the SOFA scores at seven days were slightly higher for the balanced solution group by a median of 0.27. And this was driven mostly by a higher neurologic SOFA score. In terms of tertiary outcomes, like ICU stay, hospital mortality, ICU length of stay and hospital length of stay between the two groups, there were no differences. When looking at a couple of their subgroup analyses, they noted a statistically significant interaction between the presence of TBI, traumatic brain injury and fluid type and 90-day mortality, such that the balanced solution group had statistically higher mortality at 31.3% versus 21.1% for the normal saline group. So again, primary outcome, no differences. The only difference... In terms of subgroup analysis, the only notable difference was higher mortality in the balanced solution group.
0: Thanks, Rob. So important findings, really, and surprising findings of have, have no difference. So I do think it's important to just touch on a few limitations here to put basics in perspective, perhaps with other trials that we've talked about here on CCPEM, such as the SMART trial, SPLIT trial. How does this current study fit in amongst those studies? Well, as you've heard in terms of just the study design and ultimately the results that Rob just reviewed, there were a lot of patients who came into the ICU out of elective surgical procedures. So up to about 48, almost 50%, this was an ICU patient population, not necessarily From the ED, only about, I believe, 20% or so came from the emergency department. So, starting to think how is this generalizable to the resuscitation of patients in the emergency department from a fluid standpoint? As Rob indicated, also just think about the amount of fluids that these patients received once they were enrolled or randomized. Overall, a relatively small amount compared to many ICU patients that would need ongoing and active resuscitation and not necessarily coming out of an elective surgical procedure. And then in terms of the patients themselves, a lot got fluids actually before being enrolled. So how does that amount of fluid or that type of fluid prior to enrollment affect the outcomes that we see here. And if you look at some of the scatter plots or I think the box and whisker plots actually in the paper itself, the chloride levels actually are not that different between plasma light 148 and sodium chloride or normal saline, which makes you wonder what kind of fluid did they actually get ahead of being enrolled? And then lastly, the type of fluid. So You've heard us talk about Plasmalite before. This particular product, this Plasmalite 148 that they used in this study, actually has a pH pretty much the same as normal saline, about 5.5. With lactated ringers, a pH of about 6.5. And And then Plasmalite, as we've talked about it, has a pH around 7.4. So just thinking about the type of fluid they used, the type of patient predominantly enrolled in the BASICS trial and overall the amount of fluid they got. How does that affect the interpretation of the BASICS trial? So to that, John, I'm going to turn to you first. We talked a lot about the TTM2 trial recently. Just reading the abstract, you would think, all right, we're done with therapeutic hypothermia or TTM. But making that patient population, how does that sort of equate to who we see? I think we're coming up against some similarities here in the BASICS trial, but thoughts on overall the BASICS trial from your standpoint?
2: Well, thanks, Mike. I think some of the findings in this trial are applicable to the emergency department, but certainly some are not. And I think if we look at the inclusion criteria, we can pick out some of the ways in which the BASICS trial may help you on your next shift so thinking about certain patients that met inclusion so those who were older than the age of 65 or had hypotension had sepsis those are patients that i see routinely on my shifts in the ed but there are some included patients that i might not see right so these patients had to be admitted to an icu sometimes my patients get better and so they wouldn't apply here because they were all icu patients secondarily One of the inclusion criteria was required non-invasive or mechanical ventilation for at least 12 hours. Well, that's not a patient that hopefully I'm not taking care of in the emergency department all that often. So some of the inclusion criteria applies to emergency department patients and some not. And the second thing that I think is interesting is we're starting to see real practice change come to life. So what do I mean by that? Well, we're no longer doing seven, eight, nine liter crystalloid resuscitations, like maybe what was happening back in the 1980s and 1990s, right? We've now become much more conservative with our fluid resuscitation strategies. So we're not seeing all the iatrogenic injury that comes along with large volume crystalloid resuscitation. And that may be reflective of what the results were in this trial and that we're not giving the big chloride loads anymore. So maybe if we're responsible with fluid administration and the type of fluids we give, we may not get some of those bad outcomes that we're seeing, you know, decades ago.
0: Outstanding points. Peter, let me turn to you.
3: And so I would say I don't find it stunning Again, if you told me there was a traumatic brain injured patient who got a little bit higher mortality, if we gave plasma light to them, would I be stunned by that? Not so much, not so much. And would I be stunned that there's not a huge difference between the two on all the other patients? And again, not shocked by this, particularly when we look at the amount of volume that was given to these patients, just like John had spoken about. Does this change my management? No, because I wasn't giving plasma light to traumatic brain injured patients, wasn't doing that. And I'm going to continue to give balanced solution to my septic patients that may require a little bit more volume because I think they were somewhat underrepresented here based on volume. But as John said, we're not giving liters upon liters upon liters of IV fluids as it is. So I think that the ability to see a stark difference between the two, whether it's normal saline or balanced solutions in these other patients, it's going to be pretty tough to do. So again, not a big game changer for me.
0: All right, Rob, bring us home with your perception and insight on the basics trial.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with Peter and John on this. I think that the outcome of mortality is just as a target outcome. is not an outcome that is easily reached or easily changed. Kind of see that in all of these sepsis trials and all of these ICU trials. To change outcome, to have something like the type of fluid change outcome, it would really have to have a dramatic effect size and or you would have to enroll hundreds of thousands of patients in that type of trial. So, I'm with Peter and John on that. I'm not surprised at all that mortality was not affected in this study. I think that I agree about not using plasma light in my TBI patients, and I am going to continue using plasma light in most of my other sepsis patients and ED patients that I'm admitting from the ED to the ICU, because I think that the real outcome is the outcome that was studied in SALT and some of the other trials, which is the need for renal replacement therapy. I think that's the true outcome that can be changed, that can be affected by your choice of fluid. Outstanding
0: points by the three of you. Thank you so much for the dissection of this article and really this discussion. I think it's as consistent with our others. I love having these discussions, deep dives on these articles and how it impacts our practice. So, my thanks to the three of you. My thanks to all of you for listening here to this podcast on CCPEM. As always, questions, comments, concerns, please shoot us an email through the website. We are going to close out this podcast as we're getting to our typical time frame for discussion of an article. Looking forward to the continued discussion with all of you and If you've listened to the podcast, if you've made it thus far, you know what, why not earn CME for this discussion? So if you want that CME credit, there is that one subscription that you can earn CME for not only this episode, but for every episode thus far in all of the CCPEM archives. Information on that and how to get your CME is available also on the website. So my thanks to the three of you. My thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast. Please stay safe amidst rising COVID numbers with that Delta variant and continue to do what you are doing. The courage that you are displaying on the front lines amidst all of the staffing shortages and challenges is truly nothing short of inspiring. The four of us wish you all nothing but the best, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time here on CCPEM. Bye for now.